With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. My heart skips skipping the beach and I'm close enough so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music, girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. It's the APC Podcast, AcmePackingCompany.com, SB Nation. The Packers seemed relatively hapless for most of a 31-17 to loss at Washington. So after three weeks, the Packers are one, one, and one, just like we all thought they would be. I am Zach Rapport, dialing in from Queens, and I am joined by our corporate overlord, the managing editor of AcmePackingCompany.com. We always seem to talk to him fresh off a of vacation, and this time he's just back from New Orleans. It is Tex Western. Hey, buddy. How we doing? We're doing okay. It's a little hot here in New York today. I'm in my bedroom, kind of a topsy-turvy week. Uh, for the for the podcast, so we didn't get our usual studio digs. So uh, I'm kind of sweating it out in, in my bedroom. You were uh, just sweating it out in New Orleans. Was it hot down there? Yeah, it was. It was upper 80s, um, probably 95% humidity or so. So I was doing everything I can to uh, to help the Packers get a better draft pick out of out of the Saints, <laughs> but unfortunately they found a way to uh, to come back against Atlanta on Sunday and, and win that game late. That was a that was a crazy game. Oh, you were at but, the game. Um, yeah, it was good. Good to get away a little bit. Got back just in time to see the the Packers kind of look like crap against Washington on uh, Sunday. Uh, well, everyone I know um, who has been to Nolens raves about it. So, really quickly, give me your sort of your Nolens hot take. The, the French Quarter is a lot of fun. I'm not a big Bourbon Street fan. Um, it's just a little bit too excessive for me. But if you go just even one block off of Bourbon Street, um, you get into more of like the art galleries and the live music and. Um, you know, a bunch of really good restaurants. The food's amazing. The, the, all the local cocktails and, and, and bars are great. So yeah, we had a, a good, good couple days just eating and drinking our way through New Orleans. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Excellent. Uh, one place I have not been, I've been all across the country, been to, uh, I think 40 of the 50 States at this point, but never been to, uh, yeah. to Louisiana. So that's on my, on my, uh, tourism bucket list. But, uh, being that our, our podcast schedule is a bit wonky this week. Um, by the way, follow the show on Twitter at the APC pod and, uh, Hey, give us a rating on iTunes. If you would be so kind, the, uh, the show itself will stray slightly from the usual flow. We'll hit on some newsworthy nuggets here as of Wednesday evening, and uh, we'll pull in a few listener supplied Twitter questions as well. So a lot of fun in store, but, uh, we start as I think we should with big breaking news, giving, given how, uh, this organization has historically operated. This was a big deal with Devon House headed to IR after playing hurt and struggling through three games. The Packers have, holy crap, you guys, 
signed a known veteran free agent in the middle of the season in Bashad Breland, Texas. Uh, uh, I know it's it's amazing, <laughs> but uh, for for fans that that uh, that maybe tune out a bit during the summer months, can you sort of first talk a bit about Breland's free agency journey and how we got to this point today? Yeah, journey is definitely the right word to describe his his off season this year. Um, he just finished up his fourth year in Washington last year, um, and and he was really one of the prizes of this year's free agent cornerback class. And in that uh, that legal tampering period, that two day negotiating window before the start of, of free agency actually kicks off, uh, he had agreed to a three year, twenty four million dollar deal with the Carolina Panthers. Ooh. Big, big money. I mean, yeah. we're talking, yeah, eight million dollars a year. That's a, that's a, that's a big chunk of change. Um, and I, I think probably that would have put him maybe third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in that that line um, among this year's free agent corners. But then he had a mishap, apparently while down in on vacation or something in the Dominican Republic. He got into a golf cart accident that somehow opened up a wound on his foot that he had had since like fourth grade. The wound got infected. And he, when he got to Carolina, he failed his physical and they voided his contract. And this infection was apparently so bad that it was going to take a few months to clear up. So wow. here he is sitting and trying to, to get this thing cleared up over the course of the summer. Um, finally got a few tryouts uh, in, in August during training camps. Seems like a few teams just weren't ready to clear him medically at that point. And now here he is coming to Green Bay at the perfect time at this point with Kevin King being injured, with Devon House going to IR, um, and signing essentially a veteran minimum deal for one year. Um, so so you get a guy who would have drawn $8 million a year on the open market. You get him for, for the rest of this season for about seven hundred and fifty k, even less against the salary cap. That's a that's a big deal, and and he's been a productive player in Washington, and and he could be this could be one of those kind of crazy springboard signings that that could give this defense a little bit of a jolt after a, a sluggish first couple of games. Yeah, the uh, under a million dollars, the, the lights are clearly still on in in Russ Ball's office. That guy is putting in <laughs> work. Uh, that is definitely a steal of a deal. But w- what do you make, if anything, of of so many teams passing on him. I, I mean, you said that there were some that were concerned and didn't want to clear him medically because of the of the infection. Do you think that that is it? Are there concerns about his ability to play at all? I mean, we were talking earlier about a a, a tweet from Michael Cohen uh, in, in talking to Bashad Breeland saying, you know, have you talked? Did you talk to anyone else on your way to Green Bay? And he said, "quote Man, I was on a world tour. About half of them, at least thirteen of them, meaning thirteen other teams, before Green Bay signed him." Yeah, I, it's very difficult to to understand what could have driven so many teams to to pass on him at this point, unless it was simply a medical issue, um, or, or perhaps he was ready medically, but he hadn't gotten him back in, hadn't gotten himself back into football shape yet. Um, I could see that being a possibility as well. But you know, regardless of what it is, again, he's he's been a productive player from from what we can tell. There don't appear to be any. Issues with him as far as his character, his fit in the locker room. Uh, Mike McCarthy talked about it today, said he was very excited about how he would fit in with this group. Um, Certainly he'll be looked at as a leader with so many young players in that cornerback room. So it it does really make you scratch your head. And and it certainly obviously wasn't a money issue either, because if he was willing to take uh, a veteran minimum deal, um, clearly that that wasn't a sticking point for him, or, or at least if it was up to this point. Um, he and his agents have moved off of it. So I think the 
it, it may be just as simple as the Packers got lucky on timing for when they reached out to him um, as far as where he at, where he's at medically, where he's at in terms of his conditioning. And, um, you know, I would I would temper expectations early, but, you know, give him a couple of weeks to get get into the flow and, and pick up the defense. And I think this could be a really impactful signing. Yeah. In four years with Washington, eight interceptions, including, I believe, a 96 yard pick six last year. Uh, someone yep. can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But yep. uh, for me, the stat that I'm most excited about is 60 games played in four seasons in a secondary that's often plagued by nagging injuries. And, and Kevin King most recently is, is evidence of that availability is a big deal. Right, Tex? Big time, big time. And and again, his ball skills are great. Um the other thing that has me excited, you know, for so many years in Green Bay, we watched Charles Tillman for the Bears punching footballs out and forcing fumbles. Yeah. Well, in each of his first three years, he forced multiple fumbles. Breland did. I think he had seven through his first three one against seasons. Aaron Rodgers, I think. I believe so. That sounds right. So, you know, if you have a guy who can not only make plays on the football when it's in the air, but also, um, you know, forcing some fumbles and, and punching it out, um, that's that's a great sign. And And again. Fingers crossed that this works out. I know that he did that against uh, <laughs> against Aaron Rodgers because I remember that it was another game a few years ago that they inexplicably lost to uh, to Washington, and I remember it well because I was watching watching it at a uh, at a Washington football team bar in in Brooklyn. So that was not a fun time for me. <laughs> yeah. um, so, do you think this is an upgrade for the secondary? Yeah, if you look at it strictly from swapping Breland in for house, I think immediately it is, um, you know, he's, he's certainly played at a higher level these last couple of years than house has. Um, uh, I, I'd have to take a look back at, at grading and, and what the, the analytics would say about him, but, um, certainly on paper, he, he projects as a more complete, uh, player who, who's going to be able to contribute both on, on the outside in the slot. Um, you could probably throw him out there a little bit on special teams while he's getting up to speed. Um, he's not an elite athlete, but he's again he's shown those ball skills, and um, you know he, he he certainly translates to football speed. So you look at him as is the fourth corner. Yeah, he's absolutely an upgrade over House, and you know again he's got the potential. He could be as as much as a you know maybe a number two. Yeah, you, you mentioned potential. Do you think that this is a, a like a short-term rental, or do you think that if he he plays well enough, he could earn himself a, a second contract in Green Bay? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, certainly, if he sticks around this year, he'll have a team that knows him, that knows his fit in the, in the locker room. Um, he'll know the scheme, and and I would imagine that would give them a a little bit of a leg up to um, to bring him back next year. Um, certainly again, the way that this year played out for him this off season, um, I imagine he'll be looking to, to hopefully play well this year, cash in and with a big contract next year, but with the Packers having, you know, really the rest of their cornerback stable in on their rookie contracts, aside from Tremont Williams, who, you know, wasn't breaking the bank with his deal. Um, you could certainly imagine that there would be some money left over in that room to, to throw a little bit of money Breland's way if he does really play well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, an exciting development and really interested to see uh, sort of how he fits in and, and, and sort of gets up to speed here over the next few weeks. But let's stick on the defense here and hit on uh, Mo Wilkerson as we move right along, who uh, sadly is lost for the year. And yep. Tex, it was, it was pretty gutting to sort of see the updates roll in on game day. He looks like a guy who who knew his season was over as he was carted off the field with an, an obvious ankle injury. And um, 
actually went straight to the hospital to have surgery. I, I believe stayed behind in the Washington area after the after the team went home. Obviously, you got a feel for Mo Wilkerson, but uh, Tex, what do you think the ramifications are here for the defensive line? Yeah, Wilkerson had really been been coming into his own over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he was really forming a, a really strong top three with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. And so now you, you have a significant drop off from him to Dean Lowry. I think it's, it's going to be a matter of just kind of getting by for the, the time being. Um, one of the names that was brought in um, for workouts on Tuesday was Quentin Dial, who played last year in Green Bay as oh, well. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Packers, you know, were to bring him in, if, if some of their young players end up, you know, not impressing or not playing to the level that they're looking for, at least against the run, because that's kind of what what Dial can bring to yeah. the table. Um, Dean Lowry and Montrevious Adams, they're a little bit more uh, refined as pass rushers. So so we'll see where that goes. But, you know, certainly it's um, it's a big blow to the depth. It's unfortunate for a guy who, you know, was really looking to revive his career here in Green Bay with Mike Pettin. And, um, you know, you, you've just got to feel for him because he seems to be really well liked in the locker room. Um, he and Mike Daniels, both being New Jersey guys, they really hit it off. Uh, and, and Daniels was talking about how how sad he was for, for Wilkerson when when he kind of found out what happened. And I think just the whole thing adding insult to injury is the fact that it was Kentrell Bryce who landed on his ankle yeah. and broke it. Um, you know, after a solid week one, man, Bryce has really looked bad these last two weeks. He's and, not in and that's just good graces right now. No, not at all. And and that's just kind of the, the, the cherry on top of the, the crap Sunday that, that he's put up these <laughs> last couple days. <laughs> well, you you mentioned Montrevious Adams, kind of the forgotten name. Uh, have we seen anything from him for the first for the first three games that would lead you to believe that he could step in and kind of fill that role? Not a whole lot. And and that's probably twofold. I mean, first of all, he hasn't played much. You know, yeah. he's been the, definitely the fifth man in the rotation behind Dean Lowry. The second thing is, I, I think they look at him more as the nose tackle, backup nose tackle, and backup three tech to Daniels, uh, whereas Lowry is is the more of the five technique, the the same position that Wilkerson was playing. So I definitely think you'll see more more Lowry. Um, you know, you might even see a little bit more wrinkles of, let's say, Reggie Gilbert lined up on, at a three technique or a five technique um, when they're in sub packages on third downs just to get more pass rushers on the field. Um, but, yeah, as far as those those first and second downs, when when you're looking to to provide a, a balanced look to the offense, I think that's where it's really going to hurt um, is is when you are trying to stop the run, which the Packers didn't do well last week. Um, that's where I think he's going to be missed the most. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one last defensive note, uh, and then we'll switch sides. But, uh, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention this in passing. But uh, Clay Matthews, man, yet again, Ugh. having a big play nullified by, I'll say it, a highly dubious at absolute best penalty flag. And uh, he was, again, at a loss for words um, uh, at his locker after the game. Props to him, by the way, for remaining composed but uh yep. tex i was at a loss for words as well and um i don't know about you but when it comes to the way that that refs this year are, are calling these roughing the passer flags what i don't even have a point in question what are we doing here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it it seems like they're trying to legislate hits and tackles and and things on the quarterback out of the game when they don't actually look like or they don't provide a potential for serious injury you know the the body weight rule you kind of understand it at least with 
you know, with the hit that Anthony Barr put on Aaron Rodgers last year a little bit. And I guess maybe it's a little ironic that it's coming to bite the Packers now. But um, I, I almost understand the one in the Washington game a little bit better simply because, yes, Matthews did land with all of his weight on the quarterback. Now, the the, the language of the rule book says there, there's a line in there about unnecessarily applying all of your body weight or throwing a quarterback to the ground. And I think that's that judgment call is, is the problem. And it sounds like the competition committee is going to, going to work on maybe reemphasizing exactly, you know, how to, how to treat that unnecessary part of the the rule. Um, but it certainly seems to me that it's swung far too, too far um, in favor of throwing too many flags uh, for, for plays that as Matthew said, are just football plays. Yeah, and and uh, you mentioned sort of legislating hits out of the game, and I was I was uh, I was sounding off on, on Twitter, and and Ben Fennel, uh, friend of show at Ben Fennel underscore NFL, kind of kind of came at me and put me in my place a little bit, rightly so. We we got to DMing and uh, and uh, had a really good conversation, and and he sort of echoed that that sentiment that um, that it does seem like the NFL is trying to to remove. Like, like you said, sort of legislate hits out of the game, but they're just such a, uh, you know, inextricable part of the game. It is mm-hmm. at its core, a violent sport and the players know that. And that's what they sign up for. And, 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 and to that end, you know, it's hard for me to take the league's sort of injury prevention efforts seriously when they don't seem to apply to, you know, all the other players on the field. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Again, it kind of comes down to me to unnecessary roughness versus um, necessary roughness, so to speak. (laughs) You know, it's it's are you hitting guys late? Yes, that needs to be a penalty. Are you hitting guys in the head? Yes, I I understand that that that's um, especially with the, the focus around head injuries, that that's a penalty. But, you know, things like the scoop and pull technique that Matthews used against Minnesota. Why in the world is a technique that people have been teaching defensive players from peewee football all the way up? Why is it now that that's simply being applied to a quarterback? Why is that a penalty? That's the question that I can't answer. And, and that's why I mean, why I say that it seems like they're trying to take certain things out of the game that are just natural. um, And, and, and I don't understand why these hits that should be clean and are, are textbook definitions of, of what a good hit should look like and a clean tackle should look like why those are getting penalized. Yeah. And, and one last note on this and and then we'll move on because this, this dead horse has been, has been beaten (laughs) ad nauseum the last few weeks, but you know, Alex Smith went, went, when, when he gets sacked there by, by Clay Matthews, he's not in a throwing position. He's not in a prone position. He sort of is guarding the football. He crumples up. He's in the backfield. He's holding the ball. He's just a player with the football. I don't know. Like, let's say it's a, for example, let's say it's a wildcat formation. You got a halfback back there and they get the ball. They're in the pocket. They could theoretically throw it. All the same rules apply yep. to them as far as what they're allowed to do with the football, but they're not the quarterback. So they get their ass handed to them and there's no flag. It's just, it's, it's total BS. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect example of a double standard and, and, I think you're entirely right that uh, that 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 wouldn't that wouldn't have been flagged. And and the only other thought that I have on this whole thing is it's frustrating that the standard wasn't applied consistently um, in that game oh, because totally. you had that 
that that suplex that Deron Payne put on Aaron Rodgers one drive earlier. Oh, the ref that, didn't see um, it though. The ref didn't the, see it. Yeah, but he didn't see it somehow. It's 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 the referee's job to protect the quarterback, but yet somehow he couldn't get himself in a position right. to there's one official see whose the quarterback job, being tackled. During every play, there's one official whose job his only job is basically just to look at the quarterback. And he just yep. missed that one. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little fired up. I don't normally drink beer during the show, but uh, <laughs> it's just that kind of week, man. Having, yeah, I hear you. Having myself a uh, shout out to Montauk Brewing Company having a Wave Chaser IPA. It's pretty tasty. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will talk offense and uh, look ahead to Buffalo and answer your Twitter questions coming up next. All right, Tex, the offense, I was sort of racking my brain thinking about sort of specific offensive topics to hit on. And, and, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, you know what, the offense in general just seems to be kind of going in, in fits and starts and certainly isn't measuring up to fan expectations after three weeks. I mean, it's it's just murky. So not a pointed question here, but like what are what are your impressions here so far of, of this new look? And I'm doing air quotes here. New look Packers offense. Well, in general, it's, it take, I can't. I got to kind of throw the tape away from the Washington game, honestly, because so many drives from that game stalled out either with a drop on third down, a drop on fourth down, or the fumble by Randall Cobb. Um, I, I really firmly believe that if if a couple of those balls are caught and um, and those drives are able to be sustained that we're talking about a very different result to that game, especially early on in the game. I mean, the, the Cobb drop on that first series, yeah, the, the defense gives up that quick touchdown to Washington. Um, but, you know, the, Rogers hits Cobb perfectly in stride for a first down and just straight through his hands. You know, if, if that's a catch, you know, you have a little bit of a rhythm, maybe the offense gets moving, maybe you drive down and score a touchdown, and you're in a 7-7 game. Um, then if the defense, you know, lets up another big score, then you're only down seven points. Um, that just seemed to happen over and over again in that game. So I just, I feel like I can't take away too much from, um, from the, the result of that game. The couple of things that I can take away are one, Aaron Jones is good and needs to be getting more snaps than either of the other running backs. Six, six um, carries in this game for Aaron Jones. Uh, the, the shortest carry was eight yards. I think one went for yeah. 17 yards. I mean, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, get this guy more involved. Yep. Yep. And, and really, you know, I understand if they're still concerned about him as far as his pass blocking goes, and that that's the reason to maybe give Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery some more snaps in the backfield, especially on third downs. But, um, no, there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's no excuse if Aaron Jones does not get the majority of the snaps on first and second downs yeah. uh, moving forward in, in, in this, this season. I mean, I get um, it. He's just he's too not, explosive. He's, he's not the better pass blocker, but yeah, you say, you just said it. He's, he's too explosive. He is a home run hitter and they needed yep. that in that game. I don't care if you're down two touchdowns. He was gashing them. Get him the GD football. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that's one of my big takeaways. I'm I'm excited to see what they're what they're going to do with him moving forward. I do think that Mike McCarthy probably wants to get him in a little bit more. Yeah. But with a two week layoff, um, he kind of said that they hit their playtime target for him. That's always that's another one of the, the McCarthy cliches that I think is starting to to pop up a little bit more. But that's that um, wearing thin on me. But 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if they they recognize that and and they do make a concerted effort to get him on the field more often and get him more carries moving forward because the the it's just so obvious um, who the more explosive back is. Yeah, let's so. move to the tight end position because prior to the season, I I said and I even warned myself verbally. I always get excited about the tight end position over the last few years. It is, <laughs> it is, and and I can say this publicly. It's my favorite position. It's the position. I played when I was a kid, and uh, and uh, I was super excited this year to get Jimmy Graham, to get Mercedes Lewis, a, a, a killer in the blocking game, and and Lance Kendricks. I can't figure out at this point, and no offense to my to my Rufus King general brethren, um, I can't figure out why he's still on the team, and and why Mercedes Lewis isn't getting more action. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. And the only thing I can think of is that Kendricks brings a little bit more positional versatility. You know, he's more of the the move tight end, the guy you can line up as an H back or as a fullback. Um, and, and certainly McCarthy still. I wonder if that's McCarthy's answer to not having a fullback on the roster is giving Kendricks a little bit more playing time from from that perspective. I've been I'm with you. I'm very frustrated that Mercedes Lewis hasn't been cracking the, the, the lineup more often. I mean, I think it's I think he's at like 20 snaps through three games or something like that. Um, and especially with all of us being so excited about the possibility of the, the 12 package with one running back and two tight ends, yeah. you know, put him and Jimmy Graham out there and, and you've got mismatches all over the field. So I, I, I'm disappointed that that hasn't showed up yet. And I'm hoping that it's something that they're either saving for a matchup that they like against a, a certain defense or, um, you know, maybe that's just a wrinkle they're going to throw into the playbook a little bit later on this season. But um, I can't wait to see it, and, and hopefully we get it at some point. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Well, you mentioned tight ends sort of out of the backfield, and uh, this is tongue-in-cheek, but only a little tongue-in-cheek. You've got big Bob Tanyan waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. So Kendricks, I mean, I don't know, man. He's a short leash for me. Yeah, no, I hear you, and uh, I, I'm ready to unleash Big Bob too. See, <laughs> you know, give him, give him five, six, seven, eight snaps or something. You know, give him a couple opportunities, see if he takes advantage of them, and you know, if he does, then you know, keep it rolling. We got to work on it. Uh, he's a he's a new folk hero for me. I got to work on a sound drop for for Big Bob Tanya. But um, <laughs> moving along, I want to give a shout out to Geronimo Allison, who yes. we just got to we just got to quickly clear the air in a, in a sea of Packers fans who were, who were wondering aloud. And of course on, on Twitter where I uh, exist and, and call the murky depths um, who were wondering aloud, you know, which one of these rookie wide receivers was, was going to take over Geronimo Allison's position right out of the gate. Well, Geronimo Allison is, is if I'm not mistaken, leading the team right now in rec- in receiving. Yeah, I think he's got uh, got the lead in receiving yards. He had that block punt for a touchdown against Minnesota. Um, he's just been he's been good all around, and he's been getting separation. I mean, he beat uh, he beat Josh Norman on that that slant and go uh, for the touchdown against Washington. Um, you know, regardless of whether or not Norman thought he had safety help, he he had him pretty well beat there off the line. So it's fun to see him um, really developing quickly. Uh, in his third year and, and turning into one of Rogers more trusted targets. And he's made a couple of big catches on third downs too. So let's not forget about those. Um, he's, he's moving the chains and, and he's showing some really good route running. Yeah. Route running is, is, is coming into shape, good hands, making contested catches. And again, something that I've always said about him is that he's not fast, 
but he's so smooth, man. He's got that like mm-hmm. lanky fluidity and he just glides down the field and he sneaks past people and and it's really fun to watch. Agreed. Okay, it is time to dip into the listener mailbag. We put out the APB on Twitter. At the APC pod is where you can follow the show. Um, We will occasionally ask for questions there. Um, Make jokes, memes, observations, football stuff. It's all there, so be sure to to follow the show. And uh, Tex, we got a question in from at Whiskey Chisky, who has uh, sent in a few questions uh, over the past few weeks. Who, out of Clay... Cobb and Bulaga uh, will be on the team next year. I think that's a great question. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, so, so both Matthews and Cobb have contracts that are up after this year. Yep. Bulaga has one year left on his deal. If I remember correctly, he's got about an eight, eight and a half million dollar cap hit. But um, if the Packers were to cut him at the end of this season, uh, they'd only have about one point six million dead on next year's cap, and so mm. they'd save. Something close to six and a half, seven million dollars. If you're asking me now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Randall Cobb. Um, I could see them bringing him back at a maybe a little, well, a little bit of a reduced rate. Um, I don't think he's necessarily an eleven million dollar a year player, but aside from the drop issues he had on Sunday, um, he's still shown this season that he's still a very productive player. And kind of with the emergence of Geronimo Allison and, and the development of some of the the rookies hopefully developing into to playmakers on the outside, I think you still want that that shifty guy in the middle of the field who can get open, and I think that's what Cobb is. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Bulaga, um, the oft-injured Bulaga, by the way, rep- on today's injury report uh, with a back injury, which uh, I believe he went out mm-hmm. uh, of the game uh, against Washington with, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. So PJ on Twitter, as we move along, asks, why, why, why? Is Goody not grabbing Eric Reed? Well, I'll stop you right there. He's got a secondary question. <laughs> we we know why, and yep. that is because there is either uh, an explicit uh, blackballing of Eric Reed, or there is an implicit blackballing of Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick. That's that is the answer why. But his follow up question yep. uh, is, uh, and with Perry in the concussion protocol, uh, Nick Perry, that is, wouldn't J. Ron Elliott make sense? Where is J. Ron Elliott? He is a free agent. Yes, he is. And I don't I don't know the answer to that question. Um, there's a couple of free agent outside linebacker types that um, that I think could help this team. Um, we can you know, we don't need to go down the Kyler Fackrell road again. Um, and I thought it was interesting that McCarthy said that he thought that the team could be OK with a three man rotation for a game or two at outside linebacker if Perry can't play this week. Um, I don't know that I'm comfortable with that personally, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a, especially with the issue with, with the Wilkerson injury as well, that takes away another front seven player. Yeah. So, um, you know, Elliot's, an, a, a you know, one of those players, um, one who just actually signed today with the new England Patriots, John Simon yep. was a guy who I thought could be, a you know, maybe a, a candidate to help out this pass rush. The, the issue with Simon, I think is he's got a neck injury that he suffered a little while back and we know how conservative the Packers tend to be with neck issues. Yeah. So maybe that might've affected that a little bit. Um, 
we don't know if, if the Packers actually had even had him in the building at all. But um, he ended up signing with the Patriots today, so that's out. But no, I, I think that um, it would be probably a good move to, to add a pass rusher at this point. Um, but... You know, if it were another time, I would say, yeah, they'll just promote Kendall Donerson off the practice squad and and see what he can give you. But, you know, with what we just saw from Breland today and, and yesterday, you know, you got to imagine that that good against is at least making some phone calls outside the organization. Right. Definitely. Unlike Ted Thompson, the phone is plugged in during the season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being tough on old Teddy. I like Ted. Uh, moving <laughs> along at Luke Gardner on Twitter asks, will Goot make any trades before the trade deadline? Man, that's, that's a tough one. And it's so tough to tell just because um, right now, you know, we're still only three weeks in and we, we don't really know who's really good. Who's really bad in terms of, you know, how teams stack up in this league yet. So with the, the deadline being a little bit later, teams have a little more time to assess that. And I think that has lent itself to more trades in the last couple of years. Um, I'll say this. I won't be shocked if he does. Um, I'm not ready to go out on a limb and say that something happens, but um, especially if injuries continue to hit, um, I, I would definitely expect once again, Gutekinds to be answering the phone, like you said, um, you know, throughout the next several weeks. And wrapping up our listener mailbag session, uh, friend of show Matub writes in, uh, by the way, host of uh, one of the installments of pack a day podcast, be sure to check that out. It is good stuff. He asks, what scotch do you think? Aaron Rodgers drinks after a loss and which one after a win Tex, I know that you are uh, a scotch fan. One thing I love, I am. one thing I love about the, uh, the Acme packing company sort of private back end uh, back room chat that, that we have going on is, is everyone giving each other recommendations for, for, <laughs> uh, for liquors to try, um, which uh, we may need here as the season goes on, <laughs> but uh, we'll start with a loss after a tough Packers loss. Aaron Rodgers goes for what scotch? Um, I'm going to go with probably a Laphroaig because let's face it, if you're angry at yourself or, or just angry <laughs> at life after um, something unfortunate happens, um, you're going to want something that, that reminds you of, of just how dark in the depths and, and down in the dirt you are. And so that peatiness of, of the Laphroaig, any of those Isla whiskeys, but, but Laphroaig especially, that's where I would probably go. Excellent. What about a win? So for me, I'm going to channel what I would do, and I'm going to guess that Aaron does the same. Um, I'm going to go with something Highland, um, something from like the Glenlivet family. Tomatin is a distillery that I really enjoy. Um, it's it's not particularly widely known, but um, it's it's one of my favorites. And you can find something probably finished in sherry casks. Add a nice little, just a nice little bit of a spicy bite to the end. Um, nice and light, but uh, still you know, full bodied. And like I said, that little bite at the end, I think that, uh, that's the nice, nice thing to kind of come home, relax after a hard day's work, a successful day's work, um, you know, sit, enjoy <laughs> for a few minutes. That's, that's where I'm going. Spoken like a true connoisseur, man. You should, uh, you should blog <laughs> about this stuff, but you talk about a spicy bite. I'm not a scotch guy, but I love bourbon and Buffalo trace is my go-to yep. for that spicy, but it's a little sweet and a little spicy. Yeah, that's definitely one of one of my favorites. Um, Eagle Rare is another one in, in that same kind of vein that, same, uh, that I would maker, go for. I believe, on the bourbon. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I believe so. Yeah. So can't yeah. go wrong. Well, we are boring uh, a certain percentage of our listeners at this point. So <laughs> let us look ahead to Bills, Bills, Packers. My goodness, the Bills. Are they good? 
are they terrible? They blew out the Minnesota Vikings. Who knew that was going to happen? You know, there is something to be said yeah. for, for sleeping on teams. And, and I think that that does happen uh, in the, in the NFL. And we've, we've seen a lot of stories about that this week for this reason. So what do you think about, what do you think about this game coming up here? Well, the, the area that I'm most worried about is the Bills pass rush against the the banged up Packers offensive line. Um, I think this is one of those games where Rodgers and McCarthy need to really work and focus on getting the ball out of Rodgers' hands quickly. Because if he holds the ball too long, this pass rush is going to eat him alive. And certainly a, a, you don't want to see Aaron Rodgers take hits when he's healthy and and that just compounds when he's got a, an injured knee. So if he's able to get the ball out quickly, I think the secondary for Buffalo can be exploited a little bit. Um, Tredavious white is very good. Micah Hyde is still very good, but uh, there's some holes there. So I, I like the Packers this week. I think they're going to come out motivated. Um, certainly after the, the issues that they had in Washington, I think the offense is going to uh, look hopefully a little bit crisper. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, crossing my fingers on the defense that maybe with the Josh Jones back, maybe with Oren Burks getting a little bit more playing time. Um, I think those two guys will be kind of important against LaShawn McCoy for Buffalo. Yeah, definitely. Um, and keeping him, yeah. Keeping him contained in the backfield a little bit in the passing game. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't really touch on Oren Burks here today, but him coming back into the lineup, I think over the next few weeks is going to become a, a bigger and bigger deal. Um, you know, McCarthy in his press conference today did talk about sort of the, the uncommon opponent. I'm not Alex Pataka, so I can't do a great Mike McCarthy impression. <laughs> I believe that to him. But he talked about uncommon opponents and he, and he talked about not sleeping on on opponents. Um, but on, honestly, his his record against uh, I think against the AFC, he is, I want to say, 24 and 19. I, I looked that up earlier. I'm not sure of the accuracy there, but just above. 500 so not a losing mm-hmm. record but not knocking my socks off and certainly not as good yeah. as, as as his other records there what do you make of that i don't know I, I i honestly don't know if there's a trend there i don't know if it's just a, a the fact that it's a little bit smaller sample size than the rest of his track record um yeah it's 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 strange because we've seen him come out and out coach great teams like the Patriots in 2014. Yep. You know, that still is, is like my high watermark as far as McCarthy's performance as a, as a head coach and a play caller. Um, and then, you know, there've been some other you know, real duds. The last time the Packers played Buffalo um, in, in Buffalo four years ago, um, that was, you know, that was a, a pretty crappy game and, and they ended up losing in an upset. So I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> Help me, Tex. Help me understand. I know. I know. Well, what do you think about? Uh, let's get it. Let's get a prediction here. So Vegas, and and first of all, I have to clear the air. I'm not actually wearing a dunce cap, but I guess figuratively I, I am because I got I got owned in the comment section uh, last week on the episode. I misread the line and said that Washington was favored. They were not favored i am not a gambler i was filling in for alex as the host who who occasionally will dabble and at least speaks that language but i made i made extra sure to check this time and i know that the packers are heavy heavy favorites what do you think is the outcome of this game yeah ultimately i think the the packers are able to move the ball well i think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of work with the running game like i was saying earlier with aaron jones hopefully um i i like the packers winning this game 
Um, and I, I think we had talked before you told me what the spread was. I was thinking Packers 10, 11 or so. And I guess that's right about where Vegas had him, right? 10 and a half as of earlier this afternoon uh, on a Wednesday. So, uh, well, the Packers haven't covered the spread yet this year. So let's, <laughs> let's say they win by 11. Let's go 31, 20 Packers. Excellent. And, uh, I, I as well, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the Packers. I really think that the Vikings played down to them. And and you can't do that in the NFL. I think that the mm-hmm. the Bills will come back to reality, and I think that the Packers will look to bounce back. And uh, I, uh, speaking for Alex Patakis and Ben Foley, who are not here, who have not given me picks, I'm going to take the Packers on their behalf as well because screw them, they're not here. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, the one other thing I'll say is if uh, Mike Pettin can confuse Josh Allen, the rookie quarterback, with some interesting blitzes, I think that's uh, that's something that certainly would uh, would favor the Packers. I look forward to seeing that. Definitely. And before we go, let's get an update in the APC podcast, Listener Pick'em League. It has been uh, three topsy-turvy weeks here in the NFL, and uh, while it's still a little murky, one thing is crystal clear. I am a moron. (laughs) (laughs) I rank 26th. Uh, ben Foley has rocketed up to 16th, while Alex is uh, humming along at 33rd, bringing up the rear. So maybe I'm not as big of a moron as, as I think. But here are your top five. It's a crowded field with Matthew Cook. Listener Matthew Cook now leading the way, followed very closely by Nicholas Price, Nick Varley, Lauren Summer, and Glenn Hintz. So nice work to you guys. And also a shout-out to APC contributor Mike Veith, who is... Um, Doing the blog proud by by uh, coming in at sixth overall right now. Tex, where are you in the standings? I don't know. <laughs> it's been a it's been a rough week. I got to see where my uh, where my picks came. I'll cut from you last some week. slack. You were on vacation. I'll cut you some slack. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm prepared today. <laughs> so as the as the polka kicks in here, you know what the music means. Tex, do you have any closing thoughts here for the for the listeners as we? head out and and uh, into this game against Buffalo. Yeah, I think uh, don't drop the ball, and we'll be in a much better position offensively. Um, and like I said, uh, watch for the, the Bills pass rush against the Packers offensive line and the Packers pass rush against uh, Josh Allen. I think those are going to be the, the big areas I'm going to be watching for. Don't drop the ball, make the call. Eisenberg, Weigel, and Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you ever live? Did you live in the Wisconsin market when Gilbert Brown did those law firm commercials? Oh yeah, yep. Oh, classic. <laughs> They're like burned in my burned in my memory. <laughs> David Gruber too. He can't, he's just stuck in there in a recess of my mind that I that I can't get out. <laughs> um, great. So Tex, thank you for for dialing in here on short notice. Um, it's a crazy week. Alex Batakis is in Peru. Ben Foldy is a student of life and his schedule is just crazy. He's in grad school. Um, I'm a copywriter, so my schedule is flexible. I'm ready to podcast whenever. So Tex, thank you uh, for stopping by at Tex Western on Twitter at Zach Rapport at Alex Patakis at Ben Foldy at the APC podcast. Please give us a rating on iTunes if you've not done so already. It really does uh, help sort of boost the profile of the show and, and get it in, in front of more people to check it out and broaden the listener base, broaden the APC podcast community. So for Tex Western and Alpha Tech has been Foldy. I am Zach Rapport from Queens, New York. Let's go Paco. Let's get a win.
time skips skipping the beach You're not close enough So that space between you and me Let's lose it The way you're dancing Swaying to the music Girl, that body and how you move it Every time you cross my mind Girl, I lose it Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist Okay I think you know what you're doing to me you got With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs> 